Hello and welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. This week's 9.30 sermon is read by Phil Telling and it's called Singing Hymns at Midnight. If you were a couple of weeks ago, we ended up looking at the second part of Jonah, uh, Peter Starkey and Jonah, and I continued and we looked at uh, Jonah and he was running away from the will of God, wasn't he? And of course God is away, doesn't he, with us in our lives. And at the end of that little section, I mentioned that you know, the Lord sometimes or very often protects us from going to places where he doesn't want us to go. And we looked at that's the small passage where Paul and Silas were travelling on their second journey. And he said that the Holy Spirit prevented them from uh, going on um, uh, into Asia Minor and then they uh, carried on going and they wanted to go to Bithynia but he said the Spirit of Jesus stopped them going to Bithynia and so they started travelling to Troas and Paul had a dream actually a vision and in the vision he he saw uh, he heard the Lord say to him um, uh, he saw a picture of a man from Macedonia and the man from Macedonia said come to us and help us we beg you come to us and so Paul and Silas concluded that God actually wanted them to go to Macedonia now that was a big move for them obviously the gospel had been um, sectioned off into that sort of Middle Eastern region into Israel etc but Macedonia was Europe, and so they got on a boat from Troas, they went across the sea to Neapolis, they got off and they travelled to Philippi. So the title of my message this morning is Singing Hymns at Midnight, and you know we've we've had a salvation message this morning, haven't we, already, through the hymns and through people coming back to the Lord, and this is another great message of salvation. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 16. But let's just go backstage. Let's take the backstage tour of what actually was happening with Paul and Silas. So they had this vision that they um, heard from the Lord that he wanted them to go to Macedonia. This was the second mission and they'd already been travelling very often back to the churches where they'd gone in their first journey but they were stopped and they end up going to Europe and of course because the Lord has got a plan for the Gentiles hasn't he? he's got a plan for us and so they end up in Philippi which was a Roman colony part of the Roman province sort of northern Greece for us today and they start uh, on their way they, they stay there to get to the Sabbath and of course Paul would have gone to the synagogue and he would have you know, wanted to speak to the, to the rabbis and tell them about Jesus, tell them you know, the, the real truth of the law. But there was no synagogue in Philippi, which meant there was not ten righteous men that would actually group together and set up a, a synagogue. So very, very small amount of Jews in this area. And so they travelled down 
to the side of the river um, and they're looking for a place of prayer and they come across some women who have sat there in prayer and one of them's name is Lydia. Now Lydia is a Gentile but she's worshipping the one true God, the Hebrew God. And Paul brings her the message of salvation about Jesus and she confesses Jesus as a Lord and Saviour. She's saved and she, she says to Paul and Silas, well, if you now consider me to be a believer in Christ, then come and stay with me in my household. And Paul and Silas are persuaded to go and see, go and stay with Lydia and her family. And he says that Lydia and her whole household are then saved. And so Lydia Lily, the first European convert on European soil, as it were. And so let's pick the story up in verse 16. Follow me. I'm reading from the NASP. It says, And it happened that as we were going to the place of God, a certain slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And she continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment they stopped there. So we have a young girl, and she's got a familiar spirit. She's got a demonic spirit. And this demonic spirit, spirit the same one as what was in the, uh, the, elf, uh, the Oracle of Delphi, uh, called Pythonisa. And they're always interested in it because there was some kind of snake involvement in these familiar spirits. You know, you're looking into the, the real truths of yoga and the depths of Kundalini yoga, and people think it's innocent, don't they? And it's all about a snake winding off the back of your spine into your head and taking control of you. It's the real truth of yoga. Just be stretching or something. <laughs> Sit down and stretch. Um, so we see this. Um, this spirit, and of course these spirits, the demonic spirits, know some truth. Of course they'll lure you in with a bit of truth and then they'll lead you astray. So you put your trust in them. But she, this girl is speaking truth about Paul and Silas. Yes, they are bringing a message of salvation. And this goes on for several days, but she's really bringing it in a mocking way she's shouting at the top of her voice this message, she's following them around she's pretty much stopping the, uh, their activity of being able to, to really witness to people and this mockery starts to get too much for Paul and Paul he turns around, doesn't he? he doesn't speak to the girl he speaks to the spirit you know, as Jesus did as he cast out the spirits didn't he? Paul speaks to the spirit and suddenly this girl is delivered, um, you know, because that's what Christ does, and He wants to set people free. First person serves. So, 
when Paul and Silas come in to this area and they're thinking, well, why did this spirit stop us going to Bithynia? Why did he stop us going to Asia? Because God had a plan for certain people's lives and he needed to put Paul and Silas in the right places. And as we're going to see as the story unfolds, Paul and Silas are going to go through a very unpleasant experience, to say the least. You know, sometimes the Lord takes us through things, doesn't he? That at that time don't seem very pleasant. But as we look back, we can see the Lord moving in those things that happened to us and those people who were able to touch in that time. You know, other times, that's not the case. You know, some things happen and we won't know why that happened until the other side of eternity. You know, they seem bad and they continue to seem bad. We wouldn't want to go through it again. But we have to trust that the Lord has a plan for our lives. Let's continue in verse 19. But when her masters saw that the, their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it's not lawful for us to accept or observe, being Romans. And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner part of the prison and fastened their feet in stocks. You know, when you look at the people's motives for putting people in slavery, it's always profit, isn't it? And that's what aggravated uh, these, these owners of this girl who were using her for their benefit to put money in their pockets. And you know, when you look, you see, God uses things to get people. He'll use events, he'll use material things, he'll use whatever he will to get people into the kingdom. But you know, Satan always uses people to get things to go the opposite way around. And that's what these, these slave owners <coughs> were doing. And of course, they go down to the, uh, the Agora, take them to the marketplace in front of the magistrates. And Paul, being a Roman citizen, he had many rights, being a Roman citizen. Um, but he didn't choose at this point to tell them that that was his citizenship. And uh, he gets thrown, they both get thrown into prison. Verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And the word is there intently listening to the prisoners, party to what they're singing. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. They all became loose. (coughs) 
you go through certain things, the last thing you really want to do is sing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, you might be more happy going into a little corner and just dwelling on a circumstance of how things are. But we see Paul and Silas here that pray. You know, nothing should be bad enough that we don't pray. You know, in fact, the worse it is, the more we need to pray. But that's not always our mindset, is it? But they prayed, and then they started singing hymns. Now, it wasn't psalms that they were singing, it was hymns. So it would have been, you know, our choruses, it would have been, it been things that maybe Paul had written, or, or you know, dwelt and Paul and just put it to music, uh, into a tune. And, you know, whether it be one that, you know, ones that you commit to memory, you know, abide with me. Amazing grace, you know, all those ones, you know, there are songs that sing the gospel and remind you of who the Redeemer is. That one that's going to hold us in the palm of his hand. You know, they're the ones that we need to remember in times when we don't feel like singing. It was, um, the year was... 1738, it was the 21st of May, and there was a man who was feeling very ill. He was stopping with a poor mechanic called John Bray. And John Bray's sister came in to him, and uh, she said to him, she just had a dream. She said, the man you're visiting needs to hear this message. And she went downstairs, and she said to him, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and believe, and you shall be healed of your infirmities. The man's name was Charles, Charles Wesley. And he got out of bed, and he opened his Bible, and he read from Psalm 40, verse 3. And he said, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And following by Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. You know, on that day, he had, he'd, been, he'd, he'd been lectured in the, in the scriptures, but he wasn't a born-again believer. He knew the scriptures, but he didn't feel that relationship with Christ. <laughs> on that day, he wrote in his journal, I found myself at peace with God rejoiced in the hope of Christ. You know, and soon after, very soon after, within you know a few hours, he penned the words to, and can it be that I shall gain an interest in my Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused him pain. You know, and he really had a <coughs> salvation experience, and you know, he realised the one that had died for him. You know, he goes on to say, for me, who him to death pursued. You know, Christ anxiously pursues us to become saved. And of course, when he was writing that, he referred, he, he saw that he was in a prison and he needed to be set free. And so he came to verse 4 of that, that famous hymn. And it says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin 
and nature's night, thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. You know, he, he saw earlier Peter being released from prison, and he saw Paul and Silas, their chains fell off, their heart was free. <coughs> Interestingly, you know, when you look at earthquakes in the Bible, there's not many. See an earthquake here, and it's generally surrounded by a message of redemption, of salvation. So when Jesus was on the cross, and then there was darkness, like there was darkness in this prison. Darkness for three hours, and there was an earthquake, quake, and the rocks split, didn't they? And it said, certain holy people were resurrected from the dead. And Charles Wesley felt excellent. Charles Wesley felt that in saying that was three days before his brother was really saved as well. And and we see the prisoners listening intently, what must they have felt? You know, suddenly you got these two men who were who had been whipped, they'd been beaten, they were in a, a dark inner dungeon, they were in stocks, they were in pain, they were in the dark with singing praises to God and those prisoners intently listening and then there's an earthquake and then there's release verse 27 and when the jailer had been roused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying do yourself no harm, for we're all here. And he called for lives and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, most important question of anybody's life. What must I do to be saved? And Paul says... And they said, they said, Paul and Silas, anxious to answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You know, they were, Paul and Silas and the prisoners, you know, your first, uh, probably your first thought when uh, suddenly the prison doors fly open and your chains are miraculously broken away um, was to, leg it out the door. But Paul and Silas sort of they hang around, don't they? And their concerns for the jailer, they see the jailer about to take his life because obviously he knows that the Roman authorities are going to put him to death because he's let prisoners escape. That was the price. Similarly, when you think to the centurions who were guarding Jesus' tomb, they weren't about to let anybody take the body because they knew that the price would have been their death. But they, um, they stay and the witness to this jailer, this hardened man, who probably carried out many, many things in his life that he wasn't exactly proud of. And, and many people would say, well, he's going to take his life, I have one less to worry about. 
but they have a heart for the salvation message of God and they bring it to the jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in the house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. That's the jailer washing the wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and he set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. There's a message of salvation. We see the slave girl released, don't we? We see people being witnessed to. We don't know whether they accepted Christ, but they were witnessed to and they saw a miraculous event happen. Maybe they were really spoken to by the Lord. And then we see the jailer and his whole family. No baptism meetings to go through the, the whys and wherefores. Immediately that night, he's baptized, he and his whole household. And we see a changed man, don't we? We see a hardened jailer looking after and ministering to Paul and Silas's wounds. And then he goes home and he prepares a meal for them. Yeah, this is a changed man. Ephesians 5 19. You know, because it all starts with the singing, doesn't it? In baptism, <coughs> prayer, and the singing in awful situations. Ephesians 5 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God. You know, even if you can't sing, obviously I always feel under pressure because you know, I've got Becky, you know, professional, maybe you singing in there. And I wasn't brave enough to actually put that into a tune because I would have got told that for But you know, we need to learn, don't we, to, to get our mindset into that place where we can bring songs, hymns, and spiritual songs in times of trouble. And I know, you know, here amongst us, I know there's a lot of people who like to sing. They're singing through all times, singing through those dark times. And we're reminded of that salvation and that redemption of Jesus, aren't we, in those songs that we remember. So you know this morning, if you if you're feeling Helen and, and Alison are going to carry us on for worship, you know if you feel full of joy like that gender did after he got saved, then we're going to sing. But you know, alternatively, you know if you just don't feel like it this morning, there's, there's a certain power in praising the Lord through the song. So whether we're feeling joyous or whether we're feeling really low and depressed, let's now bring song to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.